Give life. 
Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Trinity Bible Church. Glad that you chose to spend some time with us here this morning. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to have uh, our time of worship through song. But uh, it's just uh, a good reminder that there are many ways to worship the Lord. And we're going to worship God together this morning by singing songs that remind us of who he is and who we are in his sight. And, and uh, we're going to worship God by opening his word together and looking to see what it is that he has for us this morning through the power of his word. But we also worship God and, and give him praise and glory through our fellowship, which was happening here earlier. So just remember that we offer that every Sunday morning, 945, our coffee and breakfast fellowship. So come and take advantage of that. And pretty soon in a few weeks, uh, we'll have our Sunday morning gathering starting up again and uh, different ways to, to gather. And so uh, just, I, I would say, take advantage of that as often as you can. Um, it's so good to be able to, to gather together, especially after a, a long week, right? To be able to reconnect and be refreshed in a good fellowship. And so um, what I like to do is open from the Word of God as our call to worship because, um, you know, here at Trinity, we have our core values of learning and growing and serving together. And of course, that big part of learning is being in the Word of God. But as we learn uh, who God is, it draws us to worship Him. And so as we read from Psalm 27, it's just a selected reading from that psalm. Listen to these words and allow these words of God to be your call to worship him this morning. For he is worthy of all the praise and honor and glory that we can give him. And of course, so much more. And that's why we've gathered here together, really ultimately, is to bless him and to honor and to worship him with our lips and with our actions. So here's what it says. From Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, so whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp around me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise around me and against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. For one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Amen? Let's stand together and pray, and then we will enter into a time of worship. Father, we give you the praise and we give you the glory, for you alone are worthy. Your word this morning has reminded us that it is good to be in this place, 
that as we gather, we are gathering in your presence. Father, that is what we desire. We desire to be reminded this morning in so many ways that you are with us and that we love to be in your divine presence. For it is there that we are safe. It is there that we are protected. It is there that we find our provision. And it is there, Lord, that we are blessed. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us, living in each side, inside each believer here. But now through the Holy Spirit, we desire to worship you, our Father. And in the name of Jesus, we desire to do so in spirit and in truth. For your word also tell us, tells us that you seek those types of worshipers to worship you in spirit and in truth. May we be found to be those type of worshipers this morning. So thank you, Lord, for your word that reminds us and calls us to worship you. For yes, we will sing. We will sing with shouts of joy and we will sing words of truth about who you are. For we love you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's worship him together. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide It trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God.
That certainly is reason to praise, isn't it? That we are children of God through Jesus Christ. Say good morning to somebody next to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's make our way back to our seats. <laughs> good morning. Again, it's good to see all of you. I trust that um, you've had uh, just a, a good time of worshiping the Lord together. And uh, isn't it such a blessing to be able to sing words of truth like that, right? That uh, um, no longer a slave to fear, but we are children of God. And that only happens through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin. And uh, boy, we are grateful for that beyond words and for all eternity. Amen. And so what we do here when we worship God, especially through music, is just a taste, uh, a small picture of what we'll be doing for all of eternity. You know, I love that. And I'll be getting to sing those words and uh, sing words of truth right directly to our God and to do that forever and ever for we have been created to worship and so we're going to continue to worship God and before we open his word together I just want to go over um, some quick uh, what we call church life announcements for what's going on here at Trinity and what's coming up in the near future and if you remember if you were here last week or you got to, to watch us online that um, we went through a, a whole bunch of things that are coming up in September. So it was our fall preview Sunday. And so some things are uh, restarting and some things are new. And there are events and ministries and uh, different opportunities that you have here to learn, to grow, and to serve. So I just want to do a quick recap of that and give a few updates to those. And then we'll dive into God's word together this morning. And so as you see, um, those are our core values that we learn, we grow, and we serve. That's how we pursue discipleship, learning the word and growing in faith and serving one another and serving the world around us. And um, we also have, see, um, you know, our discipleship pathway is something that uh, we, we announced last week, and it's something that we've been talking about for a while. And this discipleship pathway is going to be a great tool 
that I believe we will be able to use, or it is that we'll be able to use as a, a tool to help us all stay focused and to stay on track and being a disciple, a learner, a follower of Jesus Christ. And so, as I mentioned, this is something that we're launching on Sunday, September 25th. Make sure you're here for that Sunday. And uh, we'll be doing a, a series, a sermon series on what it looks like to be a disciple and our, um, our theme for this year, right, that being discipleship. And so there'll be uh, printed material available for you, and uh, everything will be online as well on our website, trinityallenwood.com. But you'll hear much more about it um, uh, coming up soon. And so as this is one of the things that I mentioned last week is a sneak preview of what some of our, our uh, material will look like. Um, but it's a, a pathway for discipleship. And if you notice, as a quick review, that um, there are 12 things up there that sort of mark the, um, the life of a disciple, 12 things that we glean from Scripture that every disciple needs to focus on. And everybody's path is different in those 12 things. However, everybody's path starts at the same one, and that is trusting in Jesus for salvation. Right, And so you cannot be a, a follower, a disciple of Jesus, truly as he defined it, unless you first are putting your faith and trust in him. And so this will be our focus for the fall, um, but uh, you'll be seeing and hearing more about that. But September 25th is, is our launch, and you'll, um, you'll hear much more about how this will be integrated into the life uh, of Trinity. And uh, just a few other quick reminders. We have our Dig Deeper um, group that meets on Sunday morning starting October 9th, going through a, a new book coming out called Another Gospel, and uh, it's a, a study uh, look at um, progressive Christianity, which is a trend going through the churches today and what that looks like, and so you'll notice another gospel with a question mark after it, and so there'll be a, a very um, interesting uh, and important um, study, and so uh, an opportunity for Sunday mornings to come out and learn and to grow with one another about that topic. You'll be hearing more about this in a few minutes, but we have a new group that'll be meeting also on Sunday mornings, the Life Recovery Group, uh, which is uh, based on a 12-step program format, and it's uh, just a way to, uh, to use the scriptures and, of course, the love of Jesus to uh, help us discover God's power over our problems, okay? And so that's another opportunity for Sunday mornings. Our community groups, we have one that meets on Tuesday nights that begins September 13th, and uh, they're meeting here at the church. And uh, a great, I made a big plug for our community groups the last week. And if you remember, this is where we can really do the Christian life together in a small, smaller, intimate group uh, where we can pray for one another, really get to learn about each other, and um, you can serve together. But this is, um, I think, really where you can take that the Word of God and really flesh it out and live it out. And so community groups are a very important part of the life of any church. Uh, we have Tuesday morning Bible studies starting up on September 6th. That's uh, 6.30 a.m. for the men and 9.30 for the women. And going through the book of Genesis uh, this fall. And so uh, please make it a point to take advantage of that. Another opportunity to get together and open the Word of God and learn. Uh, this is a new uh, ministry. We'll be beginning this uh, at the end of September, September 28th, that last Wednesday of September. We will begin a, a new midweek service, a Wednesday night gathering. Uh, and follow me will be the theme for this fall as we unpack in detail more in devotional format on Wednesday nights, those 12 steps of being a disciple. So that will be the theme for every Wednesday night's message, but it'll look a little different than a Sunday morning. 
We will have worship. We'll take communion together every week, every Wednesday evening. And um, the message will be a more of a devotional format, but focused on what it looks like uh, to follow Jesus when he simply says to follow me. There will be um, an opportunity for kids to come out. There'll be a, a class and a group for them. Uh, and so uh, we're praising God for people that are willing to do that and to help out with the next generation. So uh, parents, it's a great opportunity to come. And we're starting that at 6.30, so it's a little bit earlier. Many ministries will start at 7. We're starting 6.30 to help accommodate those young families. And it's just one hour, 6.30 to 7.30. But then following after that, we would encourage everybody to stay after that Wednesday service for our prayer gathering. And this is something that's been going on for a long time here at Trinity, and we value prayer. And so while you're here, you can stay for an extra half an hour or however long that you can for some focused corporate prayer. All right, so that'll be Wednesday evenings. And I just uh, trust you'll be able to take advantage of that and meet here because I think it's good to get together in the middle of the week to kind of refresh and be renewed, right? We gather here on Sundays and and then, uh, you know, Monday rolls around and Tuesday and hopefully by Wednesday you're like, man, I get it. I got to get I got to get with my people, you know, and get recharged. And so that's an opportunity there. Um, real quick, and so the, the podcast. So what? The podcast is one that I do with a couple of local pastors, and we started recording again. So in a few weeks, we'll be uploading a, a bunch of new episodes, and then thereafter, every Thursday, uh, we'll um, go ahead and, and upload and uh, launch a new uh, episode. And so those will be uh, on our website. So I'll let you know once they're on there, but. Just to give you a heads up for those of you that were enjoying that, and you can find that anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Um, missions and outreach. I mentioned this as well, that we have a missions team that tries to put together at least something once a month, a way for us to get outside of these four walls and serve the community, to tell people about Jesus and to be the hands and feet of Jesus, as we like to say. And so here are, are the opportunities for this fall, September, October, November. But just a special announcement, if you notice, the one for September is next weekend, and that is next Sunday, September 4th, and we're doing a prayer walk. Uh, this time it's in Asbury Park uh, on the boardwalk, and so what we're going to do is we're going to meet at about 3.30 at the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, which is right down the street from the boardwalk, and uh, we're going to meet there and then go up to the, drive up to the boardwalk together so we can go as a group, all right? If, uh, if you plan to come out and you need to be, meet a little later or meet us there, just let us know um, but, uh, so we can let you know where to meet but a great opportunity is simply just go and to pray. And you pray as you're walking in groups and just pray. And then, and then what you do is you also pray as you're praying for people, praying for the community, praying for Trinity. You just pray for opportunities to meet people along the way, whether they're sitting there or just enjoying a piece of pizza or a cup of coffee, whatever it is that you can ask them. Hey, would you, we're from a local church, you know, and we're just praying for people. Is there anything we can pray for? You'd be surprised how many people Right? Even if they don't believe in God or know the God of the Bible, will say, yes, you pray for me. Because everybody has something going on. And you just don't know how the Lord's going to use you. So that is next Sunday. Uh, and uh, we're meeting at about 3.30 at the rescue mission to then go up to the boardwalk to pray. All right. Um, and then uh, you heard me mention this. The Shane and Aaron Latham are our missionaries in uh, Brazil. And so here at Trinity, we support local and global uh, missions, and these are part of our global missions team, and uh, they are in the States for a while, raising support and, uh, you know, meeting and reconnecting with uh, their supporting churches and friends and family, 
And so they've been driving all around, and uh, if you can't really see it up there, but uh, on their, their letter, they kind of show all the different states they've been to and where they're going. But uh, they are arriving tomorrow, and they'll be with us for two weeks. So they'll be with us for, for the two weeks and helping us to actually launch the discipleship pathway. What a beautiful thing that the way God connects that as part of their specialty is discipleship, helping churches to grow in that area. Um, and so they'll be with us next Sunday and the Sunday after. Shane will be uh, bringing a message on September 11th, but a special announcement about that. Um, I let the missions team know because we went a few years ago to Brazil to meet with them, but what we would like to do is open this up to the whole church, that if you are available tomorrow, sometime between four and six o'clock, we'd love to invite you to come to our house and help us Greet and welcome Shane and Aaron Latham. Uh, even if you're like, hey, I got to work, and I know it's a kind of an awkward time, but that's when they'll be arriving about four or five o'clock. They're driving all around. They'll be heading from Philly and getting here. But um, even if you can stop in like sort of after they've gotten here just to say hello and to welcome them, um, we would love that because here's why, and many of you have heard this story, but when we went to Brazil, the group of us, there was, I think, 12 of us, and we landed in Brazil. It's a long flight, as you can imagine. We had to stop over in Florida, and then we flew all the way to southern Brazil. And we, we got, and there was a smaller plane, and we got into this small airport, and we got off the plane, and there were this group of people, because there is a little different, like they could meet you right when you get off the plane, you know? We got off the plane, and we were, of course, all weary from traveling, and there was a group of probably about 15 people, Shane and Aaron, and from their church, and they were yelling and screaming and shouting, and one of them had a sign saying, welcome, welcome to, to Trinity, welcome from New Jersey, and we, we thought, before they even said Trinity, we thought there was some celebrity on the plane. We really did, because we were looking around like, who's here, who's here? And then we noticed, wait, it's Shane and Aaron. They brought their pastor and all the people from their church, and it was so wonderful. From that point on, we just felt so welcomed, right, and so blessed. Like, we were going to serve them, and they were already, like, serving us. And then we got to their house, and they had this huge feast ready, you know, with all this, like, Brazilian barbecue and stuff. He had one, and he's got one in his kitchen, like this Brazilian barbecue, and we're like, this is the place to go on a missions trip, right? But I mean, they took such good care of us, and we were there to bless them. We believe we did, but they were just so gracious. We love in some small way to return that favor. So if you can, if you're interested, just uh, send me a text or whatever. Most of you know where we are. If you're interested, just let me know. We'll give you our address, and just come anytime uh, tomorrow, like early evening, uh, anytime after four, between four and seven, let's say, and, and even if they're there already, just stop by and, and you can just say greetings uh, from Trinity. Okay, we'd love to be able to do that and, and bless them. And so uh, that'll be tomorrow afternoon, evening. Um, just one last quick announcement. And so um, we normally will have our uh, monthly communion and, of course, our fellowship lunch on the first Sunday of every month, and so that would normally be next Sunday, but it is Labor Day weekend, and so a few times during the year we push it off for next week, different people traveling and whatnot. So this month it will be on September 11th, so we just push it back one week. So September 11th, that's Sunday, we will have communion and our fellowship barbecue, all right? And uh, everybody's, <coughs> excuse me, always welcome for that, um, but the church always provides the hamburgers, the hot dogs, the drinks, and the desserts. And so just bring a side dish if you're able to go along with the hamburgers and hot dogs and, uh, and uh, come and join us for a wonderful time. 
after service on the 11th. <clears throat> Excuse me. So now, that's what you get for talking so much, right? That's the Lord saying, okay, move on. Let somebody else talk. That's good. And people said, amen. Um, so I, what I'd like to do now is I'd like to invite up a good friend of mine, Steve Mankiewicz. And um, Steve, you can come on up. And Steve has graciously agreed um, to share a bit of his testimony. And by that, some of you don't maybe understand why we use that word testimony a lot in churches, but it's simply telling your story about how God got a hold of your heart, drew you close to him, and how you came to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus for salvation. We all have a story, right? We all have a story to tell. But Steve has, um, has agreed to come and share. And um, so I just I pray you give him your attention and uh, a trust that there will be words that Steve will share from his own life and from the scriptures that have affected him that will touch your life. And thank you so much, brother. I appreciate your willingness to share. good? Okay, there we go. All right, everybody can hear me okay? All right, well, thanks. Um, I myself, I was born back in 1958, and uh, the first 12-step program, hear me now? All right, which was called uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. That, that began in 1935. And originally it was called the Oxford Group, and it was developed from the Sermon on the Mount, the book of James, and 1 Corinthians 13. And the success rate for abstinence from alcohol among alcoholics at that time was reported to be above 90% success rate, even in the early days of the program. And up until then, there was no known cure for alcoholism, and it was regarded as a pretty hopeless condition. As the program was developing, there was a lot of consideration that was given to it being inclusive and accommodating to all religious perspectives. So, so much so that before long, it was mostly forgotten that the power of it came directly from God's Word in the Holy Bible, because over time, the literature for the program was periodically updated, and it eventually emptied of almost all biblical references. I'm probably not alone here when I say that untreated alcoholism was a major problem in my immediate and extended family throughout my childhood, and it still continues to be to this day. And about 40 years ago, one of my immediate family members joined an AA-related group called Al-Anon, which is for people who are not alcoholics themselves but are involved with at least one alcoholic. It could be a friend, a boss, a family member, or whoever. And I noticed, and I looked through the Al-Anon literature, and I was amazed by it, and even more so by the change that I saw in this family member. She seemed noticeably more peaceful and easier to be around, but before long, she quit going to Al-Anon, and uh, she quickly went right back to being the difficult and uh, dysfunctional person that she was before she got involved with Al-Anon. And as for me, uh, I attended Catholic Church when I was a child until I was confirmed at about 13 years old, at which time I was given the option to stop going to church, and I did. My parents never went to church except an occasional holiday, but my guess is that they dropped my brothers and I off at church every Sunday because my Catholic grandmother strongly requested that they do so 
when we were still very young. In my mind, what I got from practicing Catholicism was that I was going to hell, and there was no hope for me whatsoever, although I wasn't able to talk about it with anyone. There was a saying in my family when I was a child, which was, children should be seen and not heard. And when I reached out to adults to talk about such things, I was told, don't ever say that. I don't ever want to hear you say anything like that again. Anyway, it seemed to me that my only hope of escaping hell after this life was that I had to earn my salvation by becoming a virtuously good person, and I knew there was absolutely no hope for me to do that. It wasn't until just a few years ago that I learned about Martin Luther and the differences between the Catholic religion, which was all I ever knew, and what the Bible actually says, and then it took some time for my mind to accept the truth of the gospel message. And even as a teen, I got addicted to smoking marijuana, drinking alcohol, looking at pornography, smoking tobacco, cigarettes. But in my family, if you could present yourself well outside the family, dress well, hold a job, and stay out of prison, there was no problem. Now, underneath my addictions, I had really the biggest problem any of us can have, in, and that is that I wasn't right with God, and I knew it. I believed that God could not be anything but cruel and that he truly required me to be a much better person than I was capable of being and had already condemned me to hell and I was in a no-win situation with him. Even as a teen, I very seriously considered suicide, but I believed I, believed I would go straight to hell and that would be infinitely worse than what I had to suffer through on earth. So consequently, my life was for the most part a dishonest and very unhappy struggle just to keep a job and meet the demands of maintaining my life, I was extremely confused, angry, very fearful, not very hopeful, and increasingly a slave to my addictions. My primary escape from suffering was just to get high on marijuana and play my guitar, and I spent endless hours trying just to lose myself in that, find relief from the darkness I was lost in. Every few years, I would move across the country to a new location, usually, usually after a relationship breakup, Periodically, I would see a psychologist or a priest or get a new book to try to change my thinking, but was never able to change it much. On the outside, I seemed to amazingly maintain my ability to present myself well enough, although pretentiously, to get another job, join a new band, stay out of prison, pay my rent, wherever I was living. And I just kept going, and that seemed to be the very best I could achieve, and the negativity within me just seemed to continue to slowly progress. And about 18 years ago, I reached out to my cousin, who is a Catholic priest in Alaska, and he suggested I go to AA, and that um, that, I believe, was a gift from God. And right after the first meeting, I prayed to turn my will and my life over to God's will and started going to at least one meeting every day. And I not only went to AA, but also MA, which is Marijuana Anonymous, NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous, Debtors Anonymous, and other groups also. And as I experienced things getting better for me mentally, I just couldn't get enough of the 12-step program. Doing the step work was grueling, and I struggled for many years to change my thinking about God. And it often seemed that in that respect, I really wasn't making much progress. But at one point, my sponsor, the sponsor I was working with, passed away. And so then I asked the chaplain in the program to be my sponsor because I knew he believed that God loved him. And I wanted to learn from him how to believe that. But he suggested that I roll in a seminary program online, start studying the Bible, and so I did. I was shocked at what was in the Bible as I began to study it, because it almost all made perfect sense to me. And that was a little less than a year ago that I began studying the Bible, and I still have not finished my first complete reading of it. 
I still have a few more Old Testament books to complete, but at this point in my life, the most important thing for me is to learn to live by every word from the mouth of God, as Jesus said. So it took, the, it took a few years, but the 12-step program helped, helped me to ultimately get right with God, who then led me to freedom from several damaging addictions and from a broken and confused relationship with him, to now believing in the inerrancy of the Bible and the divine gift of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So our primary text in this life recovery program, which we use this Bible, uses essentially the same 12 steps uh, of recovery as AA and the others, but it's not limited to one specific kind of addiction or problem that we might be struggling with. And in this program, we have the full power of all of God's word with nothing edited out in order to try to be inclusive of other ways of thinking. The program Bibles that we will have available at the meetings are in the New Living Translation, but you can bring any Bible and it doesn't matter what addictions or life problems you, that you are having difficulty with. And even if you're not struggling with any difficulties, but just want to come for the Bible study, please do come. And if you have any questions about the meetings or the program, please come and talk to me, and I would love to talk to you about it. Thank you. There is power in uh, the personal story, and it's a good reminder for all of us that um, the Lord wants to use us, and you may think, well, I'm nothing special, and yeah, I'm a believer, but you know, my story is just kind of boring, and nobody really is interested in that, but I can tell you nothing is further from the truth, because um, God has spoken to each of us and drawn each of us in different ways. And we all have life experiences and our experiences that led up to our putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, and you never know how God is going to use that uh, in somebody else's life, something that you experienced, uh, and um, people won't know until you're willing to share. And so thank you, Brother Steve, for your willingness to share. really do appreciate that. And I would encourage you, uh, after our, our service, a few minutes, if you have uh, a minute or two before you leave, uh, that you would just stop by and, and uh, say good morning to Brother Steve and let him know that you appreciate him and his willingness to share and that you would um, be willing to pray for him. And so just, just greet him uh, on your way out if you would and, and uh, let him know. I warned him about that too. So I said, you got to stay for a little bit because people will, will say good morning and, and encourage you. So... Um, Right, and so this is one of our new ministries that'll be beginning pretty soon, in a couple of weeks, September 11th, meeting here on Sunday mornings uh, from 9 to 10, 15, and come out, and uh, as uh, Brother Steve said, even if you're like, wow, I'm, I'm not addicted to any of those things, whatever, we all have problems and hurts that um, God wants to work on, and that's a safe place to allow him to do it, okay, uh, among uh, other believers, so praise God for that. You know, there is, um, there's a story of a man who wanted to go for, uh, go for a hike, and uh, he wanted to uh, just enjoy some time outside and in nature, and, and so uh, he had lived by the desert, and so he was just kind of walking along the, the path, and somehow, he doesn't even remember how, he uh, got disoriented and got lost, and I think we can all relate to that in some way. Whether you're driving or it's just by walking like out in the woods. And so 
he is, um, he's quickly finding himself uh, wandering around a desert. And uh, of course, as we know, in a desert, there's very little, if any, water. And um, he's getting more and more concerned and nervous. And so the, the temperature is heating up in the middle of the day, and he's starting to sweat, become very thirsty. And, and so he's starting to see something in the distance, and his mind is, is telling him, you know, it's probably just a mirage, and, and uh, don't even, you know, trust it, just keep going in your way. But it keeps getting closer, and he finds that it actually is an old little shack. And outside of that shack is a water pump. And he looks at the door, he looks in, and there's nobody there. It's an old, run-down little house, and there is this water pump. But right next to the water pump is a gallon jug full of clean, fresh water. So he's looking around, he doesn't see anybody around for miles, and it's nothing but desert. And of course, he's, he's so thirsty, he's looking at it, but he realizes there's a sign there on the pump. And it says, use the whole gallon to prime the pump. And so he's looking at it, and of course now he's facing this temptation. Because all he wants to do, right, is he wants to grab that water and pour it all over him and drink it all down. But yet the sign says, use the whole gallon to prime the pump. What a moment of temptation it is. Does he choose to drink the gallon of water right there in front of him or trust what the sign says and use up that gallon and trust that whoever wrote the sign was telling the truth, that there would then be a larger supply of water? So he chooses to use the gallon of water to prime the pump, and he spills it all down, <laughs> just trusting. And as he goes to pump, fresh, cool, clean water starts coming out, it's an endless supply of water that he uses to find refreshment and renewal in the midst of the wilderness. What would we choose at that moment? What does it look like for us as we go through our daily routines? Do we often choose the quick way, the, the, the way that just seems to satisfy immediately but won't last or do we choose to trust in the word of God that tells us that he will provide a way, a way that is everlasting? For we know that God tells us that he will make a way in whatever wilderness we find ourselves in. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior himself, said that he is the living water. Remember that story of uh, the Samaritan woman at the well? She offered to bring him water, and he told her, he said, I can give you water where you will never thirst again. So what do we choose in those moments where we're desperate to find rescue from a situation, no matter what it is, and we find ourselves in a wilderness moment? Do we choose just the quick way out, something that will satisfy temporarily, momentarily, or do we trust that God often says, wait, and I will provide you a way that will truly lead you out of the wilderness? So our passage for this morning is found in Isaiah 43. It's Isaiah 43, verses 14 to 21. It'll be up on the screen in a moment, but I encourage you to use the Bibles that you brought or in the ones in front of you. 
Use your Bible app on your phone if you'd like, but get the Word of God in front of you. And again, it will be up on the screen uh, for us as well. But we want to look at what it means when God says to us that He will provide a way. And do we trust that our God will make a way of deliverance and blessing for his children? Because oftentimes we find ourselves in the wilderness in life, in a, a desert place. Not, not a real desert or a real wilderness, but in a spiritual sense. We know what that can look like in our lives, right? Perhaps we're in a place of wandering aimlessly, like we're getting nowhere. Or a place where we're feeling hungry or thirsty spiritually, and we're not sensing the provision of God at that moment like perhaps we used to in the past. Sometimes a wilderness can look like a place of isolation when we feel lonely and afraid with no support or people around us that even care what it is that we're going through. Perhaps that wilderness in our lives looks like a place of defeat, a place of sadness or sorrow, where we're just not even able to grasp the true joy and victory that we have in Jesus. Maybe it looks like a place of pressure, that wilderness looks like stress and anxiety and pressure where we just can't find relief or peace at that moment where we go searching for that water pump, (laughs) or even we go searching for just that gallon jug. Or perhaps your wilderness looks like a place of hopelessness, where you look to the future, say, I'm not even sure what my future looks like, or what my prospects are, or what God has in store. But do we trust that our God, the God of the Bible, will make a way for deliverance and blessing for us, his children. Here's what it says in Isaiah 43, 16 to 21. We'll read it through together and and then I'll give some background and just glean a few things from this very important passage about what it meant for the children of Israel, who this was originally written to, and what it means for us as believers in Jesus Christ here today. So here's what it says. It says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, Bring who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, 
that they might declare my praise. Away in the wilderness. See, what's happening here is God, through the prophet Isaiah, is speaking to his chosen people, the people of Israel, as they are crying out for relief from their Babylonian captors. They had been allowed by God himself to be taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar into the land of Babylon because of their disobedience to the Lord. But God promised that one day he would redeem them and restore them and bring them back to their land. It's a familiar story from the Old Testament and part of the cycle of the nation of Israel of praising God but then following their own path, right? And then being disobedient and feeling the consequences of that because God will judge disobedience. But then, of course, as they cry out for help, God mercifully and compassionately restores them in some way or another. And so this is sort of the context here that that they are about to be released from Babylonian captivity. God will keep his promise, and God will sovereignly raise up a king, King Cyrus of the Persian Empire, who was king at that time, to come and overthrow the Babylonians and thus facilitate the people of Israel returning back to Jerusalem. And so God, through Isaiah, is promising them that he will do it. And in these promises, we see that he's, re- he's recalling the past for them, the way that he took care of them in the past, how he is providing for them in the present, and what he will do in the future. See, he's reminding them of the Exodus, another familiar story from the Old Testament, when God chose Moses to go back to Pharaoh and say to them, let my people go. And we remember how God saved the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. We read about that in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament in the Bible. And so he's reminding them, saying, I did this for you. In the word we just read, when he says how the chariots right, would lay down, it, it recollects uh, the great picture of how God, through Moses, parted the Red Sea, rescued the, the people of Israel when they were backed up and they thought there was no way out. You ever been in a situation like that? They thought there was no way out, that the army of Pharaoh coming from Egypt, and they were backed up to the Red Sea with seemingly no way of rescue, no way out, until God miraculously, in a way that only he could do, parts the Red Sea. And so the people of Israel make their way over towards the Promised Land, And then, of course, as Pharaoh and the chariots, as he says in Isaiah 43, make their way to follow, what a presumption on their part that God, through this miracle, they probably can't even believe, would keep those waters at bay for them. Once they're all there, the waters, by God's mighty hand, crashes down around them, destroys the enemy of the people of Israel. So God, in this passage, is saying, remember how I took care of you? Remember what a great miracle that was, because they're about to be saved again. But not only is he doing that, he's saying to them, you are going to return from exile and captivity, just as I mentioned. He's saying, it's about to happen. So it happened in the past, I'm about to do it now, but it also looks forward to 
the future coming of the one true Messiah. We know that to be Jesus Christ. For the redemption of all mankind, which Exodus was a a picture of. The Exodus of Israel from Egypt was a picture of how God redeems his people, which we know one day would, of course, be Jesus Christ. But now we can even look to the future from our perspective and see it also, this great story of the Exodus and, and God recounting it to the people of Israel in Isaiah right now, that it looks forward to Jesus coming back. And boy, do we pray that he comes back soon, right? But until that day, we'll be found doing just this, reading his word and praying and doing his will, what he has called us to do. So we see this great reminder of God about the past deliverance and what he's doing in the present, and, and it even looks forward to the future redemption of all people through Israel because of Jesus, and that he will then come back, which will be the greatest exodus, which we might also call the rapture, when he comes back for the church, for believers, and takes us from this place, right? What the exodus also pictured. But what do we see from this passage? A few quick things I want to make sure that we, we see in light of what it is that God is doing. Because in a very powerful way, he is reminding them that he is the God who takes care of them. He is the God who provides a way in the wilderness. He is a way. Not only does he provide a way, but we remember the words of Jesus about himself. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus Christ himself is the way. When we talk about salvation, one of the songs that we just read talked about being born again, right? Born again into the family. How is it that that happens, right? It's because God has offered the way of salvation through Jesus Christ and through him alone, right? That's the ultimate means of salvation. It is through Christ himself. So what do we see in this passage as you have it open there before you? That first we recognize that God has the authority, right? God has the authority to provide the way. God himself can do it. In verse 14 it says, thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, See, God is setting this up saying, okay, I'm making a promise. Remember who makes the promise. Church, I can't tell you how important that is. Because what happens is we often, as believers, and we all do this, we read the scripture and then maybe we put it aside for a while. And, and over the years, we tend to develop this mindset, whether we realize it or not, that, okay, we know who God is. But we get it. We've heard the stories. We've read enough scripture. We have a good picture of who God is. But then what happens is, if we don't continue to stay in the Word and learn more and more about Him, we then bring in our, our experience into it and say, well, I guess, I mean, the Bible, I thought it said He's loving, but He can't be that loving because I prayed for my family member who had cancer that they would be healed and then they died. So why would God allow that? I, re I turn on the news and I see all this suffering, and so God can't be that loving or forgiving because look at all these innocent people suffering. So we base our understanding of God on a little bit of his word and some of our experience. But see, God is reminding us, saying, wait, I'm about to make the promise. You're going to listen to my words because this is who I am. I am the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. 
And you know, God has every right to do that, to remind us before he says something, this is who is speaking. This is who is speaking. If you go to, to hear a speaker, you, you go to YouTube and you want to find somebody, some expert on a topic, you want to know who's talking to you, right? You want to know what kind of credentials do they have? What is it that they're talking about, right? Maybe they're talking about some kind of medical issue that you're interested in, that you have, you want to look up. You want to know, did they go to medical school? How long have they been practicing? What kind of authority do they have to say what they're about to say? Because are you going to listen to it or not? Are you going to trust it? So God says, here's my authority. I am the Lord. I am the Redeemer. I am the Holy One. I chose you because I'm the Holy One of Israel. So God sets it up, and he's the authority. So what's that a great reminder of? We are to listen to the authoritative voice of God. We can't just skip through that and then say, okay, we know who God is, and base it upon anything else other than his word. You know what the word of God truly is? It's God saying to all of us, here I am. This is me. Get to know me. Because the word of God is himself revealing himself to us. He tells us all that we need to know in his word. In a, in a way, with God, we're on a need-to-know basis. And sometimes God's saying, you don't need to know right now. <laughs> so are we listening to the word of God? Because his is the word that has authority. But also, in verse 16, says, thus says the Lord, again, setting his authority, who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. See, he's about to recount that story of the Exodus. So God sets himself up as authority in this passage, but he's also reminding them, remember what I did in the past? That Remember how I, I made a way in the sea? I parted the Red Sea. Remember that story? Of course, all of Israel would know that story very well, right? A path through the mighty waters, not just the waters. He's like, you remember the Red Sea and what I did. God was reminding them of how he had done it. And this was a big deal. Yes, he wants us to look back and remember the way that he has redeemed us. Spiritually speaking, most importantly, that we have now put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because he draw us, drew us to him, offered us that free gift of salvation that we would only believe believe that he is who he says he is, and believe that he did what he said he was going to do, and that it's only through Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, remember that. So I think as believers, we can look at that and say, first and foremost, when I look back, when I'm in the wilderness, and I'm in that desert situation, and I say, God, how have you blessed me in the past? How am I going to get out of this one, God? Not, I haven't been anything like this. First and foremost, remember that the Lord God has brought you to salvation and offered you the free gift through Jesus Christ, the most important way that he can redeem us, right? So what were the Israelites supposed to expect? He's saying, remember the Red Sea. Remember the miracle there at the waters. And not just the waters, the mighty waters, because sometimes we find ourselves, yeah, we're in a place and we can, you know, it's not too bad, not too difficult, but other times we're in the desert, in the midst of it, with no hope, no shack with a little water pump, and we feel like there is no way out. The mighty waters are crashing down around us. God is a God who changes certain defeats, from our perspective, into amazing victories, 
You know, as a Yankee fan, I often will watch them on TV, and one of their announcers is Michael Kay, and he has this famous saying, when the Yankees will, like, win it in the, the bottom of the ninth, right, usually by an Aaron Judge home run. You all know who I'm talking about, right? Are you all Met fans? Is that what the problem is? Okay. Well, let us pray for you. No, I'm joking. So he's got this great saying, like, because he's at, you know, yelling at the top of his voice because there was a home run or somewhere they won it in the bottom of the ninth, and he says, they have snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. <laughs> Very powerful, right? But it's like that's what God does. It, when it seems like all hope is lost and we're at the 11th hour and, and, and there's, there's two strikes on you and two outs and, and it's just like all hope is lost and there's no chance left, God will bring victory from the seemingly like jaws of defeat. That's what God does. But oftentimes he will lead us to that point. We feel like we're on the brink at the end of our rope and God says, hold on. His word will tell us, just use that gallon of water to prime the pump. That gallon of water will quench your thirst, but for a short time. But don't you want that endless supply of fresh, living water? Because we need God. We need God to, to replenish our wells. Like the psalmist says in Psalm 23, so our cup overflows. That's the kind of life that God has for us in Jesus Christ, the living water. Hmm. But what else does he tell us as we kind of come to a close here? Verses 18 and 19. So not only is he saying, remember what I did for you by parting the Red Sea. Now he says, guess what? He says, remember the former things. So that's good. But then he says, okay, you remember that now. Let's move forward. Forget about that. Don't even consider the things of old, because behold, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs forth, another water metaphor, right? It springs forth, do you not perceive it? Like almost to say, don't you see it happening? I'm already at work in your life. I did it with the Red Sea. I'm still the same God. Why wouldn't I save you from this desert now? But I'm going to do it in a new way. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Only God can do that. So God, it's so interesting. He's saying, remember what I did? Good, now forget that. I'm gonna do something even better. Are we willing to accept and trust that God can do things in a new way in our life? Because maybe you feel like, oh, I've kind of been in a rut spiritually, and yeah, I, I know God, and I read my Bible, and I do pray, but Things just don't seem new. Like, I don't see God doing anything new in my life, and there's that joy, that excitement just isn't there, and I can't quite see the future like, like I kind of used to. And, and God is saying, just hold on. Stay obedient. Stay in my word. Keep praying. You come to church, and you gather with other like-minded believers to be encouraged and challenged and I will make a way. He is making a promise. Now, of course, these words to the people of Israel, originally to the people of Israel because they were in captivity, and how did they get back? They'd have to cross the desert, the wilderness. He's like, don't worry about it. Because maybe they were worried, like, okay, we want you to save us, but how are we going to get back there? I'll make a way in the wilderness. The river's in the desert. A river in the desert. He's saying, I'll give you those pumps of water. 
I'll give you the pump that'll give you water everlasting life. Just follow the river that I provide. Right? So he's spoken of powerful deliverance in the past, but now he says, look, I'm going to do a new thing. So we should never limit our expectations of what God can do in the future just because of what he did in the past. We praise God for that. We look at it. We are reminded he can do something. And then we just wait and pray expectantly, all the while being obedient to his word for what new thing he is going to do. Perhaps God has something much bigger in mind. Later on, Isaiah 65, it says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. Again, God is saying, going to do a new thing. In Jeremiah 31, 31, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, a new covenant to replace the old covenant. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. The old, the new has come. There'll be something incomparable. Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. God will bring himself glory. Even to the point where in this passage, this is how God says it, I love it. He says, the wild beasts will honor me. (laughs) He's providing this way, and I think he's trying to say, no, this is going to be real. This is not just like some metaphor like, okay, you know, God, you'll provide a way. He's like, no, I'm going to actually provide a way. And even the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. And I give water in the wilderness. He's like, everybody is going to be blessed because of what I do through you, the people of Israel. Does that sound familiar? The whole world is blessed because of Jesus Christ. John three sixteen. for God so loved the whole world, right? That he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not die but have everlasting life because of Jesus Christ, who, of course, came through the people of Israel. So in a way, he's saying, you know what? I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to rescue you and redeem you, and I'm going to do it in a way that you can't even imagine. So just stand back and watch. (laughs) And when I say go, you go, and you follow the way in the wilderness where it seems like there's no way, and you follow and drink deep from those rivers of water even in the desert. And he says, you know what? I'll be praised and honored and glorified for it because ultimately that's what we're called to do, church. You know that? People, if you just question, like, what should I do with my life? God says, glorify me. How do we do it? We open the word of God. He says, I show you how to do it. That is our ultimate purpose and calling is to glorify God and enjoy him in the process forever. Enjoy that intimate relationship. Enjoy watching how God will provide a way. Sometimes it's even in the bottom of the ninth inning with two strikes and two outs against us. God will provide a way. Just when you think you can't take another step, God will show you where that water pump is. But oftentimes, he'll give us that sign that says, use this whole gallon to prime the pump. And what are we going to do? What are we going to choose in that moment of temptation? The thing that seems like it will bring us relief and bring us happiness in that moment, or are we going to wait on God and trust that if we use that, if we bypass that, if we do what he says, that then there will be a well, an overflowing well of living water that he will continue 
to replenish, for ultimately it's all about his glory. So, have we listened to the voice of God? Do we believe God when he makes promises that he can do something new and different in our lives? Do we understand that God can surpass all of our expectations, whether we're in the wilderness of any kind of situation in our life? For God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Even in the midst of the strongest of temptations, he will provide a way. Can you stand with me as we close by reading this passage of Scripture? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he specifically is telling them, like, don't use your newfound freedom in Jesus to do the things you know you're not supposed to. Yes, you have freedom in Christ, but don't abuse that freedom because you know we're all still tempted. But look at what he says. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is as common to man, which means we all go through temptations. You're not the only one going through what you're going through right now. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Beautiful. God will provide a way, even when it seems like there is no way. And in no way is Paul promising that God will take away the temptation but he says, with the temptation, you'll have the ability of escape, the ability to say no. God will provide that way. When it seems like enemies are surrounding you and those things that are tempting you day to day that you just can't, you just can't put aside, God says, I'll provide a way, even in the midst, so that you can escape even while you're enduring it. I encourage you, trust the word of God that tells you that there's something better. There is a better way, because God will make a way. And I guarantee you it's the best way. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your powerful word. Thank you that you make a way in the wilderness and a river in the desert. May we be willing, Lord, courageous enough to trust in you, to put our foot forward, and to trust in the path that you have set before us. God, we thank you for the way that you have provided in the past, bring those things to mind, Lord God, that we would be thankful, but we also look forward to the amazing things you're going to do in our lives, in and through us, to help us in those times of wilderness and desert places. So God, we look to you, truly, the Holy One of Israel, our Redeemer, the Lord God himself. God, help us to look to you and to you only for the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be blessed, church. Thank you for joining us this morning.